The Alchemical Tech Revolution is sponsored by Anchor. Anchor by Spotify. That's anchor.fm. Hi folks, this is Wayne McCroy, host of the Alchemical Tech Revolution podcast. I'm here to tell you tonight about Anchor. Anchor is one of the best podcast distribution apps out there. Uh, They offer various ways to create, distribute, and monetize your podcast all for free, and they have some of the best built-in uploading, recording, and editing tools available in the industry. From start to finish, they can help you to set up your podcast. So if you are interested in starting a podcast, check out anchor.fm. Or if you are already a podcaster and you're looking for distribution solutions for your podcast, check out anchor.fm. Come with me.
You're listening to the Alchemical Tech Revolution, and I am your host, Wayne McCroy. Tonight, we're going to talk about Harambe's Revenge, the pox of the synchromystic code. And what are we talking about? Well, we'll get to that. There's some strange connections between the Harambe the Gorilla story from back in 2016 and monkeypox. I can't believe I find myself having to talk about monkeypox over and over and over again, but uh, here we are. It's a sad, strange world that we live in, and uh, this is by and large what we have to contend with on a daily basis, it would seem. And we're going to explore uh, these various facets of things of the story. First, we'll do a review of the story of Harambe the gorilla, and then from there... uh, We'll draw the lines of connection here to uh, the events that are currently going on today. So, uh, you know, with that being the case, um, we will explore those avenues of thought. There's a synchromistic kind of connotation uh, with some of this stuff in the workings of how these things go. Uh, So with that being the case, uh, you know, we're going to review right now the story of what happened in 2016 and how this whole harambe the gorilla thing became an internet meme and uh, we all know the power of the meme don't we Uh, i've explored this idea before in the past and there's something important to it Uh, the whole concept of the alchemical meme and the way the meme carries forward memetics if it were Uh, so that's the term that we're looking at here. So uh, this story of Harambe the gorilla actually equates to a modern-day mythology of sorts, doesn't it? Uh, It's become uh, kind of a very infamous thing. But uh, for those that don't remember, we're just going to go through the Wikipedia listing here of the Harambe the gorilla event. So uh, let's, let's read through that, and then I'll draw the lines of intent from one thing to the other, and uh, we'll go there, because I don't hear anybody else doing it. I know uh, people have been joking about this on the internet, as it were. There's an actual meme or two out there saying that, uh, you know, this monkeypox idea, this is the revenge of Harambe. And uh, when you actually look at it, there's a couple synchromistic connections that can be made. So uh, there might be something to that idea. And that's thus why the meme itself actually took off. So Harambe, he was a captive gorilla killed in 2016. And uh, let's take a look at uh, what they have listed here. Harambe, May 27th, 1999 to May 28th, 2016, was a western lowland gorilla who lived at the Cincinnati Zoo from 2014 to 2016 and previously at the Gladys Porter Zoo for 15 years. On May 28, 2016, a three-year-old boy climbed into a gorilla enclosure at the Cincinnati Zoo and Botanical Garden, where he was grabbed and dragged by Harambe. Fearing for the boy's life, 
A zoo worker shot and killed Harambe. The incident was recorded on video and received broad international coverage and commentary, including controversy over the choice to use lethal force. A number of primatologists and conservationists wrote later that the zoo had no other choice under the circumstances and that it highlighted the danger of zoo animals near humans and the need for better standards of care. Harambe became the subject of internet memes, songs, a video game, a statue, and other tributes and recognitions. And I'm going to pause for a moment there, folks. Think about this. Okay, this was a gorilla in a zoo, and this was an unfortunate event that happened. Right, but uh, at the same token, here we are. They're dedicating statues and songs and tributes and internet memes, all kinds of stuff to this gorilla. It became a, a type of meme of its own, didn't it? This whole idea took on a life of its own. It became a type of modern myth, didn't it? Uh, so, with uh, that being the case, let's continue on. We'll make some of the synchromistic connections here as we get through some more of the information that's presented here. And we'll draw the lines to the current day, to the monkeypox pandemic, as it were. Uh, well, it's not really a pandemic, but it's a, a, a uh, what do they call it? It's a, a disease of international concern or something like that. Uh, so, an outbreak of international concern. Uh, they're really pushing this thing far, right? And it's it's just ridiculousness at this point. I can't believe after two and a half years of having to talk about COVID nonsense, right? Now we got to move on to something even more ridiculous. And, and this is the, what they're pushing in the mainstream. And sadly enough, uh, I could see some of the synchromistic connections back to this event and how it was a uh, foreshadowing of this kind of thing coming. So with that being the case, you know, we always have to Take those things into consideration. These are different ways of looking at the world that most people would miss, right? These synchromistic connections that uh, do, in fact, exist and can be manipulated by people that know how to read them. Uh, so I'd like to call this uh, synchromistic metadata. If you think of it in terms of how computer algorithms and stuff like that work, it's metadata, right? This is like metaphysical metadata out there in the ether floating around. Uh, it's kind of like the whole zeitgeist idea, isn't it, uh, when it comes down to it? I, I mean, there's definitely this spirit of the age, uh, this kind of thing. There's all these influences, these energetic influences around us that are very hard to describe and are very subjective in many ways. And this is why myth representation of things comes up so often, because it's the only way we could really catalyze it as a human being is by uh, trying to quantify it in the form of a myth, right? So this is actually... Uh, one way of looking at things, and it's a way often overlooked by people. There's this information that floats out there, right, that circulates out in the open, in the public view, and many people overlook it because it may seem silly or nonsensical on the face of it, and it may be something that's, you know, a passing event, such as this Harambe case, uh, but it sticks around, and there's a reason why things like this are ingrained in the public consciousness in the way they are. And this is one of the reasons why. This is a type of metadata. It's synchromistic metadata. It's out there, and it can be used by those that read it, like I said. Uh, those that are capable of reading it, who can see it and understand what it is, and maybe try to manipulate it in certain ways. And sometimes these things foretell uh, coming events in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and, you know, like I said, we'll, we'll connect the dots here as we go on. But let's read about the early life and upbringing. 
Harambe was born at Gladys Porter Zoo in Brownsville, Texas, on May 27, 1999. He was named by Dan Van Coppenall, a local area counselor who won a naming contest sponsored by the zoo. Pay attention, folks. This is where it gets interesting. You, you, there might be something more here that you didn't maybe pick up on at the time this story was circulating, but... Uh, this is an interesting tidbit here, and this is one of those little pieces of synchromistic information that comes into play with this. He came up with the name after listening to the 1988 song Harambe, working together for freedom by Rita Marley, widow of Bob Marley. Gonna pause for a second there. There's many who claim that uh, Bob Marley was involved with the intelligence community. And, uh, you know, and or Tavistock, and that may or may not be true. I, I don't know for certain. But uh, at any rate, you have that calling card here. So there was this 1988 song called Harambe, Working Together for Freedom by Rita Marley, uh, the widow of Bob Marley. And what is this? Well, let's read on. It says right here in the next sentence, Harambe is a Swahili term for communal labor. Going to pause for a second there, folks. So what does Harambe mean? It's all about communal labor. What is this? This is uh, the idea they call communitarianism now, right? Uh, communism. Okay, this is code words for communism. Communal labor. So Harambe, communal labor, communism. Think about that as we move forward here. Uh, so let's let's read on. On September 18, 2014, Harambe was transferred to the Cincinnati Zoo and Botanical Garden to learn adult gorilla behavior and join a new social group. And I'm going to pause for a second here, folks. Understand, Cincinnati is a very important city uh, in a synchromistic sense in uh, the U.S. This is the home of the Knights of Cincinnatus, uh, where that whole... Uh, uh, organization was born, if you're not familiar with who that is. That's an affiliate group of the KKK, born directly out of other secret society groups. Uh, so, you know, they're all intertwined, much like the Freemasons and the Jesuits and all these different orders, right? So Cincinnati is a an occult kind of uh, staging ground of sorts for different things. Uh, I'm not sure I would have to look up the longitude and latitude on that uh, for connections into, uh, you know, the, the number aspects of things. But I'm sure there's something to that as well. But uh, it's, it's an important place in the history of secret society groups. Uh, so they moved Harambe to the Cincinnati Zoo, so that's where he was residing. And, uh, you know, it may be coincidental. Maybe not, right? That's the nature of this synchromistic type of information. Sometimes it seems like coincidence, and other times there's these dots that could connect to and uh, from this, and uh, you could begin to read the lines of intent. Now, some people would argue, okay, well, that's nonsensical. It's just, uh, you know, your way of uh, trying to make something be there that's not there, and it's, it's a stretch too far for some people, right? But... Uh, you could argue that uh, maybe there's a, a non-human or above-human intelligence that guides this stuff. And many people would uh, actually probably say there's evidence to back that up, that there's a, a an above-human intelligence that guides and directs uh, many of these people that control things in our world and sets things in motion. And that's an understandable uh, stance to take. But uh, when you consider that there might be 
an above human or a non-human intelligence involved in directing uh, some of the affairs in this world and aligning things in certain ways, aligning certain natural energetic principles uh, into play, then you could actually maybe take it a little more into consideration. So that being the case, uh, we discussed that uh, where we left off here, Harambe, uh, was transferred to the Cincinnati Zoo in 2014, uh, September 18th of 2014, in fact. And that's where he was then to live. He was joining another group of, of gorillas there. On May 28th, 2016, a three-year-old boy visiting the Cincinnati Zoo fell into the moat at the Gorilla World Habitat. Witnesses said they heard the child say he wanted to go into the gorilla enclosure. The boy then climbed a three-foot-tall fence, crawled through four feet of bushes, and then fell 15 feet into a moat of shallow water. Zoo officials immediately signaled for the three gorillas in the habitat to return inside, and two females did so. However, the third gorilla, the inquisitive 440-pound male silverback harambe climbed down into the moat to investigate the child splashing in the water gonna pause there folks there's some numerological significance to 440 pounds there's the 44 the death stores encoding there uh which is you know the ceiling of the fate of harambe in a sense isn't it that foreshadows the, the ceiling of the fate of harambe uh that he will meet his demise 440 pounds, 44, encoding death stores once again. Uh, so we see there's a reason that they include that number in these descriptions of things, right? There's one of the synchromystic tells right there. Uh, you always find a lot of these numbers in here, and they could have rounded up and said a 450-pound gorilla or 500-pound gorilla, whatever. No, they didn't. They purposely chose to say 440 pounds. Uh, so, you know, and also this is a, a type of a, a resonance in, in a sense, in the fact that uh, 440, well, that's the orchestral tuning number, isn't it now? Uh, whereas 432 used to be the uh, old orchestral tuning uh, number. And uh, this, you know, they raised this by that octave in, just for those purposes, just to... Uh, um, change the frequency so to say so this is a, a resonant type of a number that's supposed to uh, affect the psyche here that's why it's included in this information and keep in mind he was a silver back and silver has a lot of uh, esoteric connotation to it as well uh, silver being the uh, the fading from black into uh, a, the blue shade and, and lightening up uh, towards the white uh, the silver uh, representing various things, and in this case, uh, this would encode the moon, silver, and uh, the ideas of death associated with silver, and the moon, and the 44, the 440-pound gorilla. Uh, so once again, we see these death ideas encoded here, and it was a three-year-old boy that fell in there uh, and was dragged around through the water, uh, so there's a significant... Uh, Kind of idea that goes with that too akin to uh, the concept of baptism per se uh, so anyway uh, that's that's part of uh, some of the mystical context that could be read into this if you're looking for that type of synchromystic metadata uh, so and like i said this is probably a bridge too far for a lot of people uh, but when you look at this stuff and you can make these connections 
just off the cuff, and then relate it back to things going on today. And we'll, we'll get there. We'll see as we get through more of this information. The way some of it ties together, uh, it, this could be seen as a foreshadowing of things to come, right? Uh, a baptism of sorts for people at large. Uh, you know, the, the, the young boy being baptized through this experience, through the wild, and you notice that he climbed uh, through the three-foot fence, went through four feet of bushes, the three and the four, uh, mystical numbers in Freemasonry and stuff as well there, uh, because we are a not only a threefold, but a four-square being. Uh, so this is a connotation, this is connoting a type of uh, an initiation process just in that and then he fell 15 feet 15 another um, you know significant number there which is actually 4.6 meters it says here into a mode of shallow water right so the water like i said represents a type of baptism or initiation process right so uh this kid was hazed into an initiation process when you look at it and you break it down in the mystical context here so let's continue reading on where we left off over the next ten minutes, Harambe became increasingly agitated and disoriented by the screams of onlookers. He carried the child through the water, occasionally propping him up when he sat or pushing him down when he stood. Harambe exhibited strutting behavior, walking around with arms and legs stiffly extended to appear bigger, a bluffing move, though one with inherent danger should he throw or drag the boy around too roughly. Harambe then carried the boy up a ladder out of the moat onto dry land. Going to pause for a second there. Up a ladder. This is another deeply Masonic idea, right? The ladder, the Jacob's ladder, um, the, the various uh, contexts associated with that, going up the rungs uh, through the initiation process to the higher self, to dry ground, to dry land. He elevated, right? Uh, so he, he took the boy. The boy was elevated, uh, through this initiation process, uh, grabbed and, and dragged up there by the strong grip of the lion's paw, so to say. Uh, in this context, it's the gorilla, but, uh, you know, it's the same kind of thing if you want to look back at the uh, Masonic connotations to this as well. Uh, so uh, it says Harambe then carried the boy up a ladder out of the moat onto dry land. Afraid for the boy's welfare, zoo officials made the decision to kill the gorilla, doing so with a single rifle shot. Cincinnati firefighters said the boy was between Harambe's legs when the shot was fired. Harambe was killed one day after his 17th birthday. The boy was given a trauma assessment and transported to Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Center. His injuries were non-life-threatening. So, going to pause for a moment there. So, what's up with this whole story, you might be asking yourself. Why are we exploring this idea? Well, we're getting there uh, as we read further through the, the narrative here, the mythology that's arisen uh, about the Harambe incident. And that's exactly what this is. This is how it's recorded in Wikipedia, probably. Uh, you know, although people dispute Wikipedia as a source, it's probably one of the most referenced websites that there is. And this is where they placed down the official narrative here, the official mythology that is the Harambe myth. Uh, so, as we see here... Um, there's many different aspects to this that most people probably didn't pick up on. And like I said, it's probably a bridge too far for most. But uh, we're going to go ahead and continue to explore that avenue of thought, just for those of you that are curious in this kind of thing. 
sometimes when you start talking about the synchro mystic or this uh, this connotation of metaphysical metadata, people tend to uh, their eyes glaze over and they they turn away and they don't quite get what you're saying. But uh, think about how a computer works, right? How these computer algorithms work. They collect all of this data, this unseen data that surrounds a person um, and, and surrounds a thing. And this is the same kind of thing, but it's in a different context because it's collecting it from a spiritual aspect or from an ethereal aspect, right? This information is out there. It permeates different fields of uh, uh, of thought and, you know, energetic fields within the natural world itself. And it's out there. It's information. And it might be just raw information that's unfiltered and unprocessed and therefore unreadable, except by certain people who know what to look for with it and what they're looking at. So, you know, that being the case, uh, when we understand some of these concepts and we could read a little bit into the uh, below the surface layer of things with this stuff, we could understand different connotations that might be present in a certain story. And this is one of the re reasons why uh, myth representation is so important too, uh, because this thing's become, uh, it's a meme, right? <laughs> it's become a mimetic uh, trigger and it's, it's created its own mythology around it. And we're going to read on here and see exactly what came about in the aftermath of this event. Now that we've read just, you know, the simple context of what the actual event was, and we kind of read between the lines to see that it's an allegory for an initiation process, uh, then you can understand maybe where we're going here uh, with the metaphysical string of things. Uh, so let's continue on. The incident was recorded in a dramatic video by an anonymous bystander and uploaded to YouTube where it went viral, sparking global publicity and controversy. Gonna pause there, folks. Notice the word viral, right? Not a coincidence, once again. So <laughs> keep that in mind. Keep that in the back of your head. Uh, and, and you might say, okay, well, that's a coincidence because everybody knows what they're talking about when they're saying a video goes viral, right? Well... Keep it in the back of your mind and listen carefully as we go further. Some observers said that it was unclear whether Harambe was likely to harm the child. Others called for the boy's parents or the zoo to be held accountable for the gorilla's death. Director Thane Maynard stated, The child was being dragged around. His head was banging on concrete. This was not a gentle thing. The child was at risk. Police investigated possible criminal charges against the parents while the parents defended the zoo's action. The boy's mother also became the target of harassment on the internet and social media. On June 6, 2016, going to pause for a second there, 6, 6, 16, Ohio prosecutor Joe Dieters said that the mother would not face any charges of wrongdoing. The zoo was investigated by the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, the AZA, which sets the standards for zoos and the USDA. Several vigils took place to honor Rambe's death. Going to pause there, folks. A vigil for a gorilla. <laughs> Think about this, okay? I'm an animal lover like everybody else, but... Uh, like the the way the that these events unfolded and how seriously people took this and the the degree of uh, nonsensicalness they took it to it was just completely out of touch with how it should have been received right 
And this is all part of the mythology surrounding it and the mimetic action at, at work here. So let's read on. Several vigils took place to honor Harambe's death. A candlelight vigil was held at Hyde Park, London. Gonna pause there. Across the pond, all the way overseas in London. Okay, this was an event that uh, ingrained a, a picture in the minds of people all across the world. Think about that. A, a gorilla dies in a tragic event in a zoo in the United States, and there's people holding candlelight vigils in London for a gorilla. Think about this logically for a second, folks. <laughs> something, something was different with this. There was some kind of uh, um, influencing energy involved with this whole event and the way that uh, it was taken across the world and utilized in the way that it was and the way that it was received by the people. It affected people's minds and consciousness on a very real level that it really shouldn't have. But yet there it is, isn't it? Uh, so you could see how there's something that underlies all of this. And uh, this is what I mean by the synchromistic connotation of things here. It's, it's something just beneath the surface that you can't put, quite put your finger on, right? But it's it, it's took on a life of its own. And that's the, the whole uh, study of memetics, uh, in a sense. The alchemical meme, it takes on a life of its own. It affects people on various levels that they may not even realize on a conscious level. And it has an influence, a very real influence in the world. And even if the event is not worthy of this type of attention, here it is. It's become a, a new myth. It's become a modern myth. It's become a legend. It's an internet meme. It's one of the more legendary internet memes, isn't it? Think about that. And think of the connotation of the internet meme, how much power that a meme has taken on. Think about that. Just the idea of what a meme is. Now, about 10, 15 years ago, if you said the word meme, 95% of people would have no clue what in the world you were talking about. And and this is where things have gotten strange uh, with the internet age. Because now everybody understands what a meme is and that it has power to influence the mind. And this was something that has been long hidden. Uh, but uh, with that being the case... This particular meme had an effect on people, and it was intended to be ingrained in their consciousness, in their conscious recollection for quite a while, and to, uh, you know, stay there in their subconscious recollection for quite a while as well. So we'll, we'll get to that, but let's read on here. Anthony Sita, a, an animal rights activist, spoke at the vigil at Cincinnati Zoo, saying, I'm not here to decide what was right and what was wrong. The fact is that a gorilla who just celebrated his birthday, has been killed. Okay, I'm going to pause there. Think about the ridiculousness of this statement, first of all. Okay? He said he's not here to decide what's right and wrong, but he's just here because he wanted to discuss the fact that a gorilla who just celebrated his birthday has been killed. Why is it important that this animal celebrated his birthday? Animals do not celebrate birthdays. They're not like people, right? They don't acknowledge a birthday, per se, every year. They don't sit here and, oh, I'm another year older. They don't measure time. Time is a man-made concept. The animal couldn't give two craps less than it was his the day after his birthday, right? So this is what's brought into play here. So this is an emotional tell uh, that's intended to grip at the heartstrings of people. It's a manipulation of sorts, isn't it, of, of people's uh, 
uh, emotions in a sense because you've you've got to bring in those negative emotional connotations in order for the the magic to work right uh, so this this is what's being done here uh, so even though he wasn't condemning anybody or anything he wanted to make sure to get the point across that it's tragic that this gorilla died and it was the day after his birthday so you know that made it even worse for some reason or another uh, but uh, let's continue on the shooting received criticism from several high-profile celebrities, including Ricky Gervais, Brian May, and Piers Morgan. <laughs> All pillars of absolute morality right there, right? <laughs> I digress. Donald Trump defended the actions of the Cincinnati Zoo during his successful 2016 presidential campaign. Gonna pause for a moment there. Why are they bringing up the fact that uh, Donald Trump was... Uh, had anything to say about it and that he won his uh, 2016 presidential campaign well this would further kind of cement the legacy of this mythology and perhaps this mythology had something to do with uh, the events that unfolded then where donald trump wound up winning the presidency in 2016 uh, maybe there's some kind of a, an energetic principle involved there uh, maybe this you know seemingly unrelated event uh, may have had some kind of mystical connotation that uh, would be attached somehow to this idea but uh, let, let's continue on i don't want to uh, speculate too much on that because we're, we're, we'll fall away from uh, the main crux of uh, what it is that we could read here uh, through the metaphysical data so to say trump said you have a child, a young child, who is at stake, and you know, it's too bad there wasn't another way. I thought it was so beautiful to watch that, you know, powerful, almost 500-pound gorilla, the way he dealt with that little boy. But it just takes one second. It just takes one little flick of his finger, and I will tell you, they probably had no choice. End quote. So that's what Trump had to say about the Harambe incident. So he was admiring the 500, the near, almost 500-pound gorilla. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, and, and saying, and the way that he dealt with the little boy, and, uh, this is, a, has the connotation of the association of power, right? The gorilla had power. He had the power over the little boy, and although he was kind of protective of the, the little boy, or so it seemed, all it would take was the danger of just the flick of his finger, and, uh, you know, it would have been the end of this little boy. So it talks about power, right? Power over the, uh, well, the little boy representing society as a whole, right? And like I said, this is the whole thing's an allegory of an initiation process or an initiation ritual. Uh, so with that being the case, um, <laughs> this is talking about how the adepts could... Uh, um, maybe have some influence over the little boy, and it could be a dangerous type of influence. So there's there's a lot of things you could read into that if you wanted to, but I, I don't want to really uh, get on that side trail with things here. But uh, let's continue on. The incident sparked debate among biologists and primatologists on whether gorillas and other primates should be held in captivity at all. Primatologist Jane Goodall said that according to the video, it seemed Harambe was trying to protect the child. 
Goodall later issued a longer explanation in an interview with the president of the International Fund for Animal Welfare, concluding that the zoo had no choice but to kill Harambe. She wrote, quote, It was awful for the child, the parents, Harambe, the zoo, the keepers, and the public. But when people come into contact with wild animals, life and death decisions sometimes have to be made, end quote. So, I'm going to pause for a second there. So, Jane Goodall made this statement, and, you know, then she uh, went back and uh, changed her stance a little bit. She said uh, it seemed that the gorilla was trying to protect the boy. I don't know about that, right? But this is what she was saying, and she is an expert on, uh, you know, this animal's behavior patterns and stuff like that. But she also came back later and, you know, uh, described... Uh, why it is that they had to do what they had to do here. Uh, so that being the case, life and death decisions sometimes have to be made. And like I said, this thing's allegorical for, uh, let's say, government or authority figures, authority uh, types of authoritative organizations, let's put it that way, making decisions, life and death decisions sometimes. Uh, this is connoting, once again, uh, the idea that this whole thing was a type of an initiation process of sorts. Uh, so this is the mystical connotation you could read into a lot of that. Uh, but an initiation into what? And we'll get there. Let's continue reading. Goodall said that as long as humans and wild animals are kept in close proximity in zoos, there is no way to prevent accidents from happening. But she believed that zoos, with the highest standards of cares, of care, could play an important role. Gonna pause there, folks. If you're not picking up the subcontext here, uh, we live in the zoo, right? There's no way to prevent accidents from happening, but with the highest standards of care... Um, you know, maybe, just maybe, they could keep those animals under control. You're the animals, folks. See, this is the context a lot of this stuff takes. And, and like, a lot of people don't pick up on the subtlety of it. But this is exactly uh, what the connotation is here. If you're looking at this from the synchromistic viewpoint, right, there's this control structure in this world. They would be the zookeepers, right? And we're the zoo, we're the zoo animals. We live in the zoo. And, uh, you know, sometimes you have to initiate the new generation into the workings of the zoo and how the zookeepers operate. And once in a while, there's bad outcomes, but it's for the greater good. Understand? It's for the greater good. And, uh, you know, this type of a story is there to imprint the idea in your mind of the zoo, the zoo animals, the gorilla. Uh, all of these ideas, because, uh, you know, they think we're a bunch of stupid monkeys, don't they? So, you know, that being the case, um, this is what happens. You get out of line, and they'll put you down. That's that's what the connotation is here. But let's continue reading on, and there's some more interesting uh, types of contexts we could read into it here as we continue. Zookeeper Jack Hanna strongly defended the zoo's actions as the correct decision, noting that a tranquilizer dart might have taken five or ten minutes to take effect and could have aggravated Harambe further. Primatologist Franz Don Wall said he saw few options for the zoo. A gorilla is so immensely strong that even with the best of intentions, and we are not sure that Harambe had those, the child's death was a probable outcome. 
going to pause there. So, you see here that uh, the immensely strong gorilla, even though he may have had the best of in uh, intentions, well, they weren't so sure about that, so they, they think that the, the death of the child would have been the probable outcome. Uh, so that being the case, they this stupid animal, he doesn't know any better. This is for his own good as well. Uh, unfortunately, we needed to do that. Uh, that's what they're saying here, right? So if you could read a little more into that context and understand if you put yourself in that position, this is what they think of you, many of these people in positions of power in this world. And these are some of the connotations that can be drawn into uh, a story like this. It's a, it's a myth. It's an allegory, right? It's become a modern-day myth, all right? All this stuff has been written down in this way, using these very words and these uh, different structures here for a reason, okay? And like I said, this is directly from Wikipedia. You, you can go read it for yourself, word for word here, and understand uh, what's been written here. Right, And even though people will argue, well, Wikipedia is not a good source of information. Well, it's one of the most utilized sources. So this is where oftentimes many of the official narratives of things wind up. Uh, so that being the case, they made sure to put some important points in here, such as the 440 pounds that the gorilla was and all of these various things, these different facets of it. But uh, let's read on here because we're going to talk about next, the next section here says cultural impact. Right? And this is where the rubber meets the road with this. This is where the foundation of uh, what I would call this uh, uh, synchromistic metadata comes from with this particular event. Right, It's the cultural impact. Internet memes. Following the killing, Harambe became the subject of multiple viral memes. There's the word viral again. Vox, V-O-X, that publication also uh, relating to <laughs> virus and pox. Um, anyway, Vox wrote in November that Harambe has an, quote, undeniable status as 2016's meme of the year, end quote. People magazine wrote that, quote, Harambe continues to live in uh, live on in the collective mind of the internet, entering into a rarefied state of venerated meme status, end quote. Gonna pause there, folks. Think about that. Harambe continues to live on in the collective mind of the internet, entering into a rarefied state of venerated meme status. This uh, connotation means that it's taken on a life of its own, the meme itself, right? And it's it's gone beyond what would normally be a like an attribute of this type of thing. It's taken on a life of its own. It kind of gives it a status similar to uh, what in metaphysics we would call a tulpa or an egregore. See, there's an animating spirit or energy behind the meme now. And this is why it resonates in the, you know, the public mind so much. And it's gone across the internet the way that it has. And it's still here six years later. Right. And people noticed it and still talk about it and still, you know, uh, bring it up occasionally and use the meme occasionally or different facets of the meme for different reasons. So this being the case, it's entered into the public consciousness now and it's there for a reason. And uh, I, I would say all we had to do is look back 
at the, the last couple sentences and see it talks about viral memes and the magazine Vox, which is a combination of virus and pox, wrote in, in the November article that uh, this was undeniably 2016's meme of the year. Uh, so we see in 2016 some things were set into motion. This uh, was the year Donald Trump, of course, won the presidency. And along with that, uh, this whole internet meme kind of took off as well in uh, the same kind of way that uh, this whole thing went down. It was uh, an upsetting thing. It was uh, an upheaval of sorts, wasn't it? Uh, when Trump won the presidency, it was a national upheaval in many ways. And the same thing could be said with the uh, the ramifications of this event with the gorilla. So uh, it, it kind of... Uh, art the art of the meme reflected the nature of the culture right art reflects reality in many ways so uh that being the case uh, it's it's a mirror image it creates this mirror image it's man looking at himself in a sense uh when you look at this and this is where the whole allegorical context of it comes in where it's a type of initiation process initiation into what well let's get there let's read on one of the most widespread memes was noted by the Washington Post and New York Magazine, who observed a proliferation of over-the-top and fake tributes to Harambe. The idea is the more intense and more sincere-seeming the expression of mourning is, the funnier the joke. One example of this was the dicks out for Harambe meme, dicks as slang for guns, which facetiously called for armed revenge of Harambe's death. I'm going to pause for a moment there, folks. So, we see here that uh, this became intense, an intense expression that they thought was funny, they, where they, they, they made light of this whole event, and the more that they uh, expressed sincerity in this expression the more uh, funny they claim the meme became, but also they're, talk to, they're talking about an armed revenge about it, right? So this is a, a type of uh, invocation of violence. What happened after, you know, uh, this whole Trump presidency thing? Didn't the world escalate into a type of uh, violent disorder, like shortly thereafter in the coming years after this? Is this what this is a, a foreshadowing of? And, you know, uh, let's continue on here. And we could read more context into this as we go. Asia Romano of Vox wrote that, quote, If you were a progressive, the Harambe meme gave you a chance to mock what you viewed as the hypocritical haranguing of the mainstream while avoiding real issues of social justice. And if you were a conservative, the Harambe meme gave you a chance to mock liberal hysteria, end quote. One meme is a play on conspiracy theories, such as Bush did Harambe, a reference to 9-11 conspiracy theories. Going to pause for a moment there, folks. So notice, right, if we look at what was said here in this next portion of the narrative, it says that uh, if you're a liberal, you can mock the hip hypocritical haranguing of the mainstream while avoiding real issues of social justice, and if you're a conservative, then you can mock liberal hysteria. This is intended to create division, right? This was decided to create 
division in people. It was a foretelling of that. It was a foreshadowing of that, of this uh, separation of people. And notice that uh, they they made sure to bring into the context here that uh, one meme is a play on conspiracy theories. Well, who are they really, really, really trying to run through the ringer right now? Conspiracy theorists, right? Anybody that questions the the uh, official narrative of anything. They're running them through the mud, aren't they? And it's it's more of this division, this context of division. That's what this was intended to create. It was cr- uh, intended to create strife and division. It was intended uh, to pre-echo some of these things to come. It was uh, uh, intended to be an allegorical type of... Uh, initiation process for the people and for the zoo animals that being us according to these people right Uh, so you see all of these different things being uh, foreshadowed here but let's continue reading on because there's more in australia people joked about supporting harambe's corpse as a write-in candidate on the ballot for the federal election public polling pol- or sorry public policy polling included harambe in their polling for the u.s presidential election harambe had five percent support in late july 2016 ahead of the green party nominee jill stein and two percent in august 2016 tied with stein gonna pause there so you see how they're directly relating this gorilla to the political scene. And this is why it's important that Trump mentioned this whole uh, narrative in his uh, his campaign and wound up winning the ticket, right? Uh, we could see that it's been turned into a joke of sorts, hasn't it, this whole thing? Uh, look, we could put this stupid monkey up there, and he's actually getting 5% support in July of 2016 compared to other like serious candidates and stuff. Uh, so they've taken this this animal and elevated him to this demigod type status in a sense, haven't they? When you're putting him in this political position, right? So and this uh, props it up as a modern mythology of sorts, a myth representation. And uh, in so doing, people uh, reflect their own inner thoughts on this uh, this meme, so to say, and uh, they, they relate to it in various ways, and it's a mirror image of what's going on inside their heads. And this, uh, you know, this reflection that's given back is one of division and divisiveness and violence and uh, various other things to come. Uh, so, like I said, even though it was allegorical of an initiation process, well... How long is the process lasting, and uh, where do we go from here, and and what else can we be, uh, you know, can we see when we read into it a little more? Let's read on and see what else it says here. Cincinnati Zoo director Thane Maynard reacted negatively. We are not amused by the memes, petitions, and signs about Harambe. Our zoo family is still healing, and the constant mention of Harambe makes moving forward more difficult for us. We are honoring Harambe by redoubling our guerrilla conservation efforts and encouraging others to join us. In late August, the zoo deleted its Twitter account after being targeted daily by trolls mentioning Harambe. The zoo resumed its account after two months. (laughs) Gonna pause for a second, so here we go. So now Twitter's on the scene, right? Uh, what else has been on the scene in you know recent months here? Twitter, right? Uh, being uh, bought up by uh, 
Elon Musk, allegedly, for what total? How much? $44 billion or something like that, was it? Hmm? 44 Hmm. Gotta wonder, gotta wonder, right? We see the number connections all over the place. Uh, and, you know, uh, why is he trying to back out of the deal? Well, because trolls and bots and various things like that are all part of uh, the... Uh, the nature of Twitter there. So that being the case, uh, we, we see some of these pre-echoings in various ways. And like I said, it's probably a bridge too far for some people. But if you're looking at this from a strictly synchromistic standpoint, which is exactly what I'm trying to uh, uh, present here from the synchromistic viewpoint, there's always these weird connections between this stuff that, like I said, it's a bridge too far for some people. Some people might think it's coincidence or there's no relation in one to the other. Uh, but uh, you could find some of these connotations connecting things in various ways. And we see that it's kind of been laid out before us, this whole initiation process that we're going through now. That's essentially what it is. That what we're, What's happening in the world now is uh, the same allegory of what was presented in this news media story, the guerrilla story, right? Uh, so when we travel down that path of thinking we could come to terms with the fact that uh, maybe this was outlining what's to come. So we see how it uh, pre-echoed along with the sentiments that happened after the Trump election and how it uh, interrelated with political things and how there was division and strife and violence all created and, uh, you know, these various things. And now we get to uh, where we're at today, and they're talking about Twitter there now. But let's read on, because there's more. There's more here, and like I said, this is directly out of Wikipedia, and although not the best authoritative source for things, it's where the public mostly goes for their information, right? So this is what the official narrative is. This is what people will uh, recognize as the official story of what happened. So it's important that this context is laid out in here. So let's read on. Media. A self-described underground culture collective known as Otaku Gang released a computer parody fighting game known as Harambe vs. Capcom, with Harambe being able to fight characters from Capcom's Street Fighter franchise. Gonna pause there. Okay, so do you see how ridiculous this whole thing's gotten? It's reached across various different platforms and you know cultural contexts here it's even gone so far as to be in the video games where this brings it to the attention of you know children and young adults who don't necessarily pay attention to political things or news stories but there it is they all know what the harambe thing is don't they and this is one of the reasons why it's it's crossed various platforms like this to various different groups that it normally wouldn't reach because of the nature of what it is so let's continue to read on here. American rappers Young Thug and Dumbfounded each released songs entitled Harambe. The former did so on his 2016 album, Jeffrey. Going to pause for a second there, folks. You catching that? Um, <laughs> his album, Jeffrey. Well, who's Jeffrey? Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, haven't we seen... All of this stuff uh, come about, too. Do, do, do you see how the pre-echoing of stuff is just in here? Like, I don't know. And, and like I said, for some people, this is a bridge too far. But when you take a step back and just look at the synchromistic context of this, what are the chances this stuff would align in the way that it has 
right? Where we could see this related to this story about a gorilla that seems to be non-important at the time. And then when we go back with the the benefit of having hindsight, and we see how all these things on the timeline since then have lined up in various ways and connected here. <laughs> it's stunning, isn't it? So let's continue reading on. So it says here, the former did so on his 2016 album, Jeffrey, each track of which is named after one of his idols. Although the lyrics do not reference the gorilla, the latter likens the fate of the ape to gang violence and police brutality gonna pause there do i have to get any more into the context of what's being foreshadowed here or what's being outlined hmm? let's keep reading though because it gets better here we go canadian dubstep producer excision included a song titled harambe on his 2016 album virus <laughs> he named his album virus and he put the song harambe on there you know, this, this gorilla that was talked about quite a bit by the magazine Vox, uh, a combination of vaccine and pox. Um, you know, all the, these viral memes uh, going about with it. And uh, even so much so that uh, there's a, a track on this guy named Excision's album that he titled The Virus called Harambe. Uh, so do you see some of the synchromistic connections being made here? Uh, because we roll forward today, and lo and behold, now we have this stupid monkeypox thing to deal with. Uh, let's continue reading, though, okay? Let's continue reading and see what else is here. Because I'm drawing some of these lines, and maybe you're not quite on board. Maybe you think, it is a bridge too far. But let's continue reading. On March 30th, 2019, the CEO of Tesla Incorporated, Elon Musk, released a surprise two-minute rap song titled R.I.P. Harambe onto his SoundCloud. Gonna pause there. Who were we just talking about when they had mentioned the Twitter thing above? Well, there he is, isn't he? He recorded a song called R.I.P. Harambe, and he put it on his SoundCloud. Isn't that nice? This, you know, billionaire, this richest guy in the world, uh, you know, this one that's going to save free speech by buying up Twitter and this and that, <laughs> is going to, uh, uh, you know, save us from whatever this guy that uh, people idolize this day and age. Well, here he is, right here, foreshadowed, in the Harambe story. <laughs> he made his own song. Isn't that, isn't that what billionaires do? Like, you know, they, they build cars and spaceships and tunneling machines and flamethrowers and uh you know they buy up social media platforms and write songs right this is what billionaires do they don't have you know to do anything important with their time right they just you know put all this stuff in motion and tweet uh constantly about what cryptocurrencies they're buying and stuff like that and uh this is an influencer right there's a reason these people are called influencers and why they have such a, a uh, an effect on society at large. Let's put it that way. And this is all part and parcel of the synchromistic connotation of this stuff. But let's continue reading because there's more. The track was performed by a Young Jake, written by Young Jake and Caroline Polachek, and produced by Blood Pop. Rolling Stone magazine called the track a bouncy tribute to Harambe. Well, isn't that nice? Rolling Stone magazine called it a, a bouncy tribute to Harambe. Produced by Blood Pop. <laughs> Blood Pop. I, you gotta love these names of some of these rap types and stuff like that. <laughs> Let's continue reading, though. 
On naming contests for newborn baby gorillas, a teenager made a petition for Dublin Zoo to name a newborn baby gorilla as Harambe Jr., Harambetta, if female, after Dublin Zoo announced the newborn baby gorilla by tweet. Gonna pause there. So once again, we see how this is crossed uh, across cultures around the world. This is Dublin, okay? A different country entirely from where this happened and they're still talking about it there right and it's it's just astounding it's just astounding the reach that this has had and you know how did they announce this newborn baby gorilla by tweet through through twitter do you see the connections the constant connections Let's continue reading, and we're almost done. I'll wrap it up here very soon. On June 16th, 2017, satire news site The Onion featured an article of professional wrestler Big Show being killed by WWE after a seven-year-old boy wandered into a steel cage during a live event in Indianapolis. I'm going to pause there. (laughs) That's just... That's just like... I don't know. It's in poor taste, but uh, I, I get it. The, but you see how it crossed the line there uh, into the professional wrestling business as well. This is another audience that normally wouldn't get reached by a news story like this, right? The ones that seek after uh, these entertainment outlets and stuff like that. But uh, it's a satire piece, right? The Onion, everybody understands satire and you know that could be funny but uh this is reaching audiences that normally it wouldn't reach so you see how uh these this meme can be imprinted into the human mind in many different ways and how it crosses all of these different avenues to get there but let's continue reading on october 18th 2021 the seven foot tall bronze statue harambe was illegally placed in bowling green park in new york city Facing the charging bull statue, which itself had originally been illegally placed, the act was carried out by organizers promoting Sapien.network, a social media network, who aimed to put the needs of humans first. The statue of Harambe facing the bull, whose feet were surrounded by 10,000 bananas, was a statement about wealth disparity. Gonna pause there. So they made this thing into a bronze statue, folks. So now there's a Harambe bronze statue that was placed in Bowling Green Park, New York City, facing a charging bull statue. So once again, allegory of the animals in the zoo, the bull being the market and the gorilla being us. Uh, so <laughs> we could see some of the connotations being made there. And, uh, the, you know, the whole thing where they surrounded the statue's feet by 10,000 bananas was a statement about wealth disparity. And what do we see? What's happened here the past two and a half years? Well, we've had the greatest transfer of wealth in the history of mankind, haven't we? And this widening of this wealth disparity. So this is all foretold here. And they they made statues out of bronze and set it there in a very uh, well-known area (laughs) and put it out there in plain sight. Uh, so that the meme could further infect the minds of the people. Let's read on here, and we're almost done. (coughs) And then we'll wrap it up with some last final thoughts here. In September 2017, the zoo added Mashindi, a 29-year-old male western lowland gorilla transferred from the Louisville Zoo. He joined females Chewy and Mara, 
who are 21 and 22, who were present on the day of the killing. At the same time, the zoo created a new indoor habitat where the public could safely view the gorillas year-round from behind safety glass. So, what is this all about? Well, this is about... Um, let's, let's read a little bit of the symbolism in this. So... They put the gorillas in the zoo behind safety glass, right? This is allegorical for the way they've transformed society, where you watch everything from afar now, right? Whereas before, society interacted in many ways, and now they put this barrier between uh, people. And what did they do during the whole corona context here? Well, they locked people in their houses. You do everything over the computer now, right? Through the internet, through the monitor, the screen, the glass screen. This is how you see uh, on the other side there. But you're completely safe. You don't have to worry about something bad happening now. Uh, because, see, we've protected you from the, the gorilla and the, the whole initiation process of sorts. So this is what, essentially, that symbolizes right there. Uh, but uh, I find it very telling and interesting that the whole narrative here uh, of the gorilla story, the Harambe story, is undergirded by the terms viral and virus and vox and all of these various things uh, that... Uh, kind of give you a foretelling of some of the things to come, how the whole initiation process happened, uh, you know, with this little boy who uh, clearly, clearly went out of his way to get into that enclosure, right? So this is uh, allegorical of somebody actually trying to go to the extent of figuring something out here as far as an initiatory process goes. So this is something that requires a great deal of effort. Uh, but the aftermath of this is what the important thing is. Not only does the story itself represent an initiation process of sorts and an elevation of the boy up the ladder, right, uh, by the, the gorilla in the cage, the, the strong arm. So... Not only does it represent that on some level, but it's the aftermath of the story that really has some of the direct connotations of things to come. So it's a pre-echoing of sorts. So when you look and see, when, when you could see some type of an initiatory ritual being presented to you, they're, they're telling you something. This is to draw attention, right? This is to draw attention to this thing when you can recognize it as being an initiation process of sorts or an initiation ritual. When you recognize that, well, they're trying to derive something different from that. It's not about necessarily like initiating you as a person into their secrets or into their society so that you benefit from that knowledge. Sometimes they have something else in mind. Sometimes this is just a way to bring attention of people who understand these things and know these things to look at this and see what other details come out of this whole thing. So the initiation process itself, the whole story, the event with the gorilla and everything, this was to capture people's attention and look at this. It's the aftermath that's important because the aftermath of this was a foreshadowing of things to come. This was a uh, type of... Uh, 
synchromystic metaphysical stream of information that was created and put out into the public in the form of this meme uh, to permeate into society. And only if you could recognize some of these different uh, facets of symbolism and stuff like that and understand what's been done here and look back with hindsight, only then can you see it. Right? And this is the nature of synchromysticism, mysticism, and this is why some people like lose their train of thought with it or, or just totally throw it aside and say there's nothing to that, it's nonsensical, it's a waste of time, waste of effort. I would beg to differ because there's so much important uh, context with these kind of things that goes on. Right? It, it represents a myth, myth representation in a modern sense. So it's created a life of its own. It's, you know, inherently embedded in the minds of people, regardless of what you think of the story or regardless of what you uh, perceive as being the truth about the story and all the aftermath of the things that came from it. Regardless of what your thoughts are, it's in there. It's ingrained in your subconscious and unconscious mind. And uh, the uh, archetypal nature of this context that I was able to pull out of this for you and take a look at that's there your unconscious mind recognizes it because it's archetypal and it's it's showing the way it's showing this stream of of how things have moved forward so can we see any other context in there uh, of things to come I, I don't know it's hard to say uh, because oftentimes we on the outside looking at this we're unable to know what the plan is or what the playbook is until after the fact. And then we recognize it. And this is the, this is the nature of what's called revelation of the method, right? You won't recognize it until after it's happened. But once it's happened, and then you could look back at something like this and see the foretelling or the, the foreshadowing of it in uh, this you know, particular series of events, then you could look back and say, okay, I recognize that for what it is. And this is the nature of this synchromystic data that's out there. Synchromystic, net or synchromystic metadata. I think that's the best way to look at it. It works much like the computer algorithm, right? There's all this data that the computers collect, and some of it isn't like what, you know, any kind of main type of data it's cookie files and stuff like that that go all over the place but they're definitely there and it could track these and trace these back and uh you know draw the clear lines of distinction to where it needs to go and this is you know it works in the same way except this is more of a how should we say spiritual connotation of things it's looking into another way of looking at this right more of a, a I don't want to use the word psychic, but I guess that's the best way to look at it. It's, it's a psychic type of energetic principle that encapsulates the world around us, right? It's an energetic principle that's inherent in nature, and uh, this, uh, this, this current is out there, and it can be manifest in many ways, and it can affect people's behavior, and sometimes it leaves an impression on the mind, and that's exactly what this story has done. It's left an invariable impression upon the minds of people uh, to the point where uh, it's ingrained these ideas and then this whole new mythology has been crafted around it written up on wikipedia and they made sure that these key words were in there so uh, now was this somebody purposely uh, putting these keywords and stuff in 
the description of the narrative? Probably not. I think they were probably just directed by what they thought or felt should be uh, put in there at the time. But once again, this is the nature of the zeitgeist, right? Uh, the spirit of the age. It's the same kind of concept. When you look at the idea of the zeitgeist and this uh, connotation of synchromystic metadata that goes with that, right? The zeitgeist would be the direct spirit of the age, so to say, or the spirit of the time. Uh, the various ideas that undergird uh, what the culture is going through at that particular time. Well, the synchromystic metadata is the stuff that supports that. Uh, so that that's the whole thing. It's it's it feeds the zeitgeist, right? The synchromystic metadata feeds the zeitgeist, and in so doing, the zeitgeist then uh, leaves invariable impressions upon the minds of people, and the people react to that. Uh, and this is kind of how it's done, and it works much the same way, uh, like the computer analogy with the the algorithms, right? They know how to read stuff, and by reading this metadata, they probably know with about 98% accuracy what your next move is going to be, what your next purchase is going to be, right? It's the same kind of thing. If you know how to read the code, this synchromistic code, then you can understand this stuff and have a little better go of it. But uh, with that being the case, uh, it's we just look back at the whole Harambe story, and we see what's been done here and how we're living through the monkey business of today. And I just found it, uh, you know, kind of telling that uh, we had all this connotation of viruses and viral this and viral that with Harambe. And, you know, not thinking about things to come. Uh, our minds have now been conditioned from the past two and a half years to think in terms of diseases and viruses and stuff like that. Uh, so, that being the case, this has been... One of the ways that this synchromistic metadata has affected the zeitgeist, in a sense, because now we look at everything and we're expecting that context of the next big virus, aren't we? Uh, we're expecting that, and we could see uh, that uh, they've been feeding us that, uh, especially with all these simulation drills that they've been doing on this type of thing, or simulation exercises, much like the monkeypox one that they did back in March of 2021. <laughs> you know, a year ahead of time. They Like, they knew this was coming. So is this planning? Or is this, you know, their, their accessing of the synchromistic metadata at the time and understanding that this is probably what's coming and we'll prepare for it? You can make an argument for either way, right? Uh, I would say there's more pre-planning going on with a lot of this stuff than, than meets the eye. But also, who's the one directing it all, right? Who are the people directing all of this? And I would say that it's, uh, you know, beyond human sources of intelligence that direct and guide many of these things in what you might call the zeitgeist or the spirit of the age uh, in this context. And what exactly is that? Well, the Bible would describe that as the prince of the power of the air, uh, otherwise known as Satan or Lucifer, right? So when we see this and... Uh, the world being directed in this way and uh, the prince of the power of the air i did a broadcast on this not that long ago uh, talking about the air what's the power of the air well that's the mind the air and the mind interrelate right so having power over your perception your perception so that that's you know that's neither here nor there that's that's a, a conversation for another day but i would say that's the guiding influence here the beyond human intelligence guiding things right uh, directing in various ways various subtle ways people in positions of power to 
do things and, and, you know, just events falling into place in this way. So that being the case, uh, we could see, just in conclusion here, the way the whole Harambe thing has aligned itself uh, to uh, line up with many of the current events happening in our world and pre-echoing certain things, ideas of viruses <laughs> relating to monkeys. Um, so, you know, monkey business as usual. But at any rate, uh, I hope I didn't lose a lot of people on this. I, I like to look at things from this type of a context once in a while, and it's not something you could really prove or disprove. I just find the connections fascinating when you're able to read that level of symbolism into things and see what's being done here. So I, I hope it's been enlightening for people. It'll give you a different way of thinking about things. Uh, because we're so taught to think in just strictly material, uh, quote-unquote, science, uh, scientific-type viewpoint on everything, objective ways of looking at stuff, rather than uh, looking at the subjective context of various things and maybe breaking down what their meanings are. And, and this is a different way to look at the world, a different way to look at things, and you could derive different context and meanings from the world in different ways, from events happening uh, in this way, and understand what's been done here, what's been leveraged against us, that uh, these energetic natural principles, they exist. Uh, there's something to this idea of zeitgeist. That's why the Germans came up with the word zeitgeist to describe it. Spirit of the age, many people have talked about this. And I would say that the undercurrent of flowing events that happen to support this zeitgeist or bring it about, I would refer to this as synchromystic metadata. That's how I would describe it. And, uh, you know, it, it feeds the beast, so to say. And in so feeding the beast, it empowers the beast. And sometimes the beast is able to manifest his image uh, to the people in positions of power and therefore to the masses at large. Uh, so what are we witnessing, right? And I'll just leave it at that. I mean, I hope this invokes thought. Uh, that's, that's all I seek to do at the end of the day is just uh, get people to think and maybe think outside the box. Think in different ways than what they're accustomed to. Because that's that's how we're going to change things for the better in this world. Is by thinking outside the box. Thinking in different ways than what uh, those in positions of power expect you to think in. And understand different concepts here. And break the algorithms. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to break the algorithm and uh, you know do the unexpected thing. Uh, maybe look at it in an unexpected way and describe it in an unexpected way that maybe helps people to awaken to the level of deception that we've been living in. So that being the case, this is one way to do it by recognizing some of these aspects that uh, I would call this synchromystic metadata. In recognizing it for what it is and being able to connect the dots in this way, it could be helpful. It, it trains your brain to think in different ways than it normally does. It's about pattern recognition at the end of the day with this stuff. When you see the pattern, well, then you could decipher what's going on here. Computers do this. That's all they do is decipher patterns. It's pattern recognition. Artificial intelligence, they, they've designed it so that it could recognize patterns that the human being overlooks. And in recognizing the patterns, then it has better predictive capabilities, right? So it could figure out what's coming next. Well, the human mind is far superior to any computer. Uh, we just don't know how to tap into this because we haven't been taught. 
And this is something that, uh, you know, I think we need to remedy. So let's start thinking outside the box. Let's look at the minutia of things in this way and try to understand uh, what it is that's going on around us by recognizing the patterns of this data, of this uh, synchromistic metadata around us and be able to decipher things better. And when we do so, we could make a change in this world for the better. So anyway, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, I hope this was informative and have a good night now. Introducing the new home for free speech, Free World FM, the alternative to the alternative. Keep on talking in the free world. That's freeworld.fm. 
coming soon.